0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Don. And Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. Good to
1: see you guys again.
0: Before we get into today's show, I want to tell the listeners about another show on the StarQuest Network they're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. That's where we talk about all kinds of movies and streaming shows, uh, more streaming shows and TV shows these days, like broadcast TV. Uh, but uh, we've got some great stuff coming up. We've got Secrets of Hawkeye, which is out the same day that this show is dropping. Uh, and that was a lot of fun to record. Uh, Secrets of the new Spider-Man movie. We've got Secrets of Apollo 13 coming up and April, the oh, but you have to listen to the secrets of the lost skeleton of Cadavra. That's coming out later this oh, month. Yeah, <laughs> that w- was so much fun to record with Jimmy Aiken and David Hanlos, and oh my gosh, you've got to check it out. It's it's um it's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that's the secrets of movies and TV shows, which is available wherever you find fine podcasts or at sqpn.com slash secrets. So before we get into our main topic, we have some listener feedback that uh, I want to share and uh, respond to. Uh, let, it's, this one comes from Tom Grellinger via email, who writes, uh, in response to my pick of the week last week, he says, "Well, I've not replaced our fourth generation Apple TV remotes, I did buy something very similar to Dom's pick in episode 150. I bought the AHA style protective case and he has a link, and I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, it not only makes the remotes less slippery with its anti-slip silicone cover, but I decided on these specific cases because they have a holder on the back where it could keep an Apple AirTag. Uh I complained that that was the one thing that uh, the new Apple TV remotes don't have, is they don't have that, you know, find it feature. Uh, And he says that we have a couple of uh, times, let's see, um, a couple of times we thought we permanently lost an Apple TV remote. I originally bought four AirTags shortly after they came out to put on keychains, but then bought four more and used three of those to put into our checked luggage on a recent vacation, which is a great idea. And another great tip, since we don't travel that often, I wanted to figure out another way for them to be useful when they sort of sitting in the closet most of the time and decided that these three could be used when we're not traveling to live within the silicone case Uh, so that if an Apple TV remote goes missing, we pull out our phones, can find them much more easily. Uh, So and he says, Dom mentioned wanting Apple TV remotes that would have the Apple UWB chip in it in order to be able to find them. I think it's an nest next best option. Easy for me to say. And uh, thank you, Tom. That is a great idea. I I love that idea. Um, you know, it, it's a little more expensive, I, I suppose. I mean, if Apple put a UWB chip in their remote, it would go up by thirty bucks, anyways. Probably, so yeah, <laughs> you'd lose uh, that either way. <laughs> but uh, they, yeah.
1: they'd also need to sell you the twenty dollar cleaning cloth for the remote. Well,
0: well yes, you'd have to keep that remote clean. With the twenty dollar cloth, yes.
2: Speaking, uh, speaking of expensive remotes, I've been using a Logitech Harmony remote, which yes. is a uh, kind of a Wi-Fi remote that has infrared, so it can control all the all of your devices. It controls our Roku, our receiver, our Blu-ray player, and our TV. And uh, as someone who had bought into the Tile, which was kind of a, one of those Bluetooth um, beacons before Apple perfected the technology with the AirTags, I actually had a, a Tile, you know, Bluetooth uh, transceiver, like. Uh, <laughs> uh electrical taped to our Logitech remote so i could find it which is <laughs> kind of the inelegant version of this solution so <laughs> this is a this is a great idea coming from someone who uh who uh many years ago had had kind of struggled with the same thing if you lose the one remote to rule them all you are you are in fact powerless <laughs> that's right
1: it, if someone's not bought into the um apple sphere um i think tile also does a sticker version yeah of their um Yes. So if you're looking for remote control lanes and you don't want to duct tape it on, um, they make they make that sticker version of the tile, I think, now that can be used. I have a Excellent. lot of
0: tiles, and I've been transitioning some things to the AirTags because one thing that the AirTag does, the tile doesn't, is it does that direction, finding, and distance. Yes. All my kids' Kindles have uh, air tag stick uh uh tile stickers on them those when by sticker it means it has an adhesive back and so it's it sticks to it pretty darn good and so all of their kindles have a sticker and like it happens once a day at least that a child will come to me and says daddy can you ping my kindle because i've lost it in my bed and it's right where i left it and because <laughs> that's what i tell them i tell them it's, it's in your bed and we're going to walk yeah. right over it. I'm going to ping it and it's going to ping. No, no. I looked in my bed. Guess where it is? It's yeah. It's in their bed. Through, through your Amazon account. I don't know
2: if the new Kindles have this, but you used to be able to select remote alarm for specific Kindles and it would make the Kindle itself beep as long as it had battery power.
0: Oh, that's the key. Yeah, and that, then it goes, uh, that's the
2: big one. And then you get to play, uh, you know, hunt the Kindle in the house and look under all the couch cushions and, and find it as it's beeping. uh for, for two minutes. Oh,
0: I didn't know. I'm going to go look for that, see if that's still in there, because that was always my big complaint about Kindles. Is like Amazon, put the thing, put the, the beeping thing in it so I can find it.
2: Yeah, I believe it's under content and devices in your Amazon account menu. Yeah. And um, there's one thing that's called find my Kindle. It's not that it's remote alarm, or, or at least it used to be.
0: Okay. I'm going to
1: look you at You know, on me... my, on my dish network, this is low tech stuff, but there's just simply a button on the receiver that says find remote, <laughs> yeah. which is so simple, but so genius. So yes. there's just a little speaker on the remote beeps for you until you pick it up. Well, done.
0: That's the great thing. Like with the Apple watch is if I flip up to the control center, there's a button there like a, on the control center with my phone and icon of my phone on it. All I do is tap that and my phone beeps you know and my wife does it all day long <laughs> because she's always on yeah. her phone uh although it's it, uh, by default it's right next to the uh do not disturb button that which yes. which I've hit in church and made my phone beep instead of go <laughs> silent which is really annoying <laughs> yeah i have
1: done that in church as well
0: <laughs> so yeah now now i have uh the new focus modes which uh, automatically go on when I'm in, in the church, when I'm at the location. Uh, so that's a great little uh, second. That's tip. more
1: difficult when you live at that location. Though. Well, yes.
0: Then you're, you would just be on focus <laughs> mode all the time. I, I get that. I get that. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Tom. That is a great pick. And um, I'm, i that may be in my future at some point. I, I like that. Uh, the, the air tag. All right, so let's move to our uh, main topic, which is uh, something that's been in the news uh, recently. Uh, this, it had come out that the IRS was planning to set up a system where if you wanted to access your records, not this wasn't to file taxes, this had nothing to do with the like, filing taxes, at least not at this point, but it was about if you wanted to access records and information on audit and you know, any, any individual personal information, you would have to Set up an account using a facial recognition system, and it was uh, well. I'll tell we could talk a little bit about what uh, what was involved in it. Uh, there was a huge backlash be- for various reasons, including the fact that they were using a third party contractor who would be doing all the facial recognition and storing all the information. Uh, and eventually, the IRA, there was so much fear, including from some members of Congress that the IRS has dropped it altogether and said, we're going back to the drawing board. We'll figure something else out. And, oh yeah, we've already paid them millions of dollars in a contract. So, you know, yeah. lucky for them. Uh, I want to get a government contract that gets dropped. So I don't have to do anything for yeah, the no, money. No bid is the way to go. Right. <laughs> right, no, right. No pesky competition. That's right. So <laughs> a- apparently the way the system was supposed to work, let me pull up the, uh, the information here. Uh, you would, uh, you would have to create an account and you would um, have to record a video of your face using your computer or smartphone and send it to this private contractor contractor called id.me and they would compare it to a copy of your driver's license or a passport photo or something like that and if it matched which you know hopefully it did automatically by the way it's automated then you it would let you in it would say that's you if there was some kind of discrepancy, you'd be shunted over to a live person who would have to you know verify that you're you, yeah, <laughs> yeah babies <Yeah. laughs> please like, yeah. like, like a bad world war II movie, and uh so <sighs> there's so many ways this can be wrong,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, where to start i mean yes it's it's a third party system. Yes, they're paying them. They we're going we're gonna to pay them eighty-six million dollars. You know, at least that they would disclose. No, we don't know who in Congress is on their you know board or, or a major you know <laughs> equity holder in the company. Right. Uh, no, we don't know the retention period on these videos. Um, you know, there was there was some question as you know this this ID.me has you know many customers, each you know state unemployment agencies, things all collecting photos. And it didn't seem like they were setting up, you know, kind of like sandboxes or, you know, partitions for each of these customers. It seemed like they could compare photos across like their entire customer base, which is, I guess, 70 million people or something. Right. So, yeah, lots lots of concerns with this. Um, you know I, know, I know that other, you know, this is in the U.S., but I know that in Australia they're doing a lot with like photo IDs if you want to like, you know, leave your house if you're under quarantine, that sort of thing. You have to take a picture of yourself wherever you go. But um I think I think that, you know, to American, you know, audiences, this would seem kind of squicky, for lack of a better word.
0: Well, yeah. And there are well known we've talked about it on, before on on this podcast about well-known problems with facial recognition, with la- lack of accuracy, especially among certain uh uh, races and certain body types and that sort of thing. Um, now, this is doing a simpler one-to-one recognition instead of trying to, you know, look at a crowd and match anonymous people. It you, The person saying, I'm this person, compare me to their picture. So that's a, it's a, obviously a simpler thing. Another thing to keep in mind, by the way, is that ID.me is already like been doing this for you know uh welfare and bunch of other government services so this isn't new uh there are a lot of people who are already having to do this this is just it's the IRS which we you know every american taxpayer has to deal with yeah uh, and 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 it's the most popular government website uh, i i put popular in square, scare <laughs> yeah. quotes most used let's put it that way yes uh, um, so popular
1: in the same way that the DMV is popular.
0: <laughs> exactly. We all have to go popular like, uh, yeah, getting yeah. Your, your teeth drilled by the dentist. <laughs> um, so one of the nice things about, to, about Congress today, there's very few things we can say that's nice about Congress today uh, or ever, really, frankly. But there's a bipartisan agreement that the, a suspicion of big tech. <laughs> where it's across the aisle like with democrats and republicans when it's when it's a, a tech thing like this they they're all we're we're in on this together uh which is c- kind of nice there's a few things that they're all uh, in agreement or many of them are in agreement on across the aisles uh and there was a big backlash from congress there was uh uh some of the objections let me mention some of the objections So some people were saying um Oh, we don't want the government to have all of our pictures on a in, on a file. Uh to which I would respond, you know that they have all of our driver's licenses and passport yeah. photos, right? <laughs> like they already have all that. So, it's not so much that the government has our our pictures. Um but the the someone else would would defend this system saying, well, look, it's just like using FaceTime on your phone. Uh, you know, or, or uh, Face ID, sorry, Face ID on an iPhone or the equivalent on a Android phone, that sort of thing. Of course, the difference there is, those phones have a sec- well. A, it's my choice whether to enable that, but B, yep. those phones have a secure enclave where that data resides, my image resides, and that's where all that comparison happens, not in some third party cloud somewhere else. Yeah, it,
2: it, it is the the long term storage of this that I'm concerned about, especially since the government has shown that. They're perfectly OK with scooping up mass amounts of data and just sitting on it until they have a suspicion. And then they can issue a warrant that's retroactive on that old data, even though they had no, you know, no justification for, you know, collecting that data at the time. They they can still have issue a warrant on that back data. So right. your photo to the IRS or your video or something from, you know, five years ago could, could uh, you know could be subject to a
1: warrant, you know, in, in in the future. One of my concerns I have about this, and I'm looking through it, and I don't see when they had it in place, was there an opt-out, um, especially if you were elderly and yeah couldn't really handle the technology?
0: There was an, They were talking about an option to set up local offices where you could go in to do the verification. So... <laughs>
2: I got a Polaroid <laughs> camera. I mean, let me just take a Polaroid and I'll
0: send it to
1: you. Be there in two weeks. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll send you an eight millimeter ta- tape of myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This yeah. My, my grandma is holding up her laptop screen to her face. Do you see me? Do you see me? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, it yeah, it's it just, it's a, I mean, I I applaud the desire to advance the technology and to improve our personal information security. I like this idea that make it harder for people to steal our information by impersonating us. That's a good thing. And frankly, the the current system uses passwords, which is a terrible system because people we all know use terrible passwords and that it's just it's it's fundamentally flawed. But this is another case we've been talking about this in several different areas recently. Of we're it's like we're pushing the. It's great to push the technology, but we're pushing it mainstream perhaps a little quicker than we should. Perhaps, yeah. Um,
2: especially since nobody is, you know, ID.me is not letting people look under the hood and say, "Okay, how does this algorithm work?" Right, right. Part of my concern is the storage, the long term storage. But then, what is this algorithm doing? Is it a any good and and b is it you know creating a lot of false positives or, or or what's the potential here and and if you can't let people's kind of you know if you have a government contract my personal point of view is that you should let people you know see what you're doing um in terms of the politics i think you can tell you know like you know people right and left arguing about this sort of thing take this technology and if you want to see if people are still committed to mm-hmm. privacy in this case or, or still in favor of this technology apply it to something Like voting, should you have to submit a video in order uh, to prove your identity in order to vote? I think you you would see the the politics, kind of the the people on either side of this issue, kind of flip 180 degrees on it in a a real hurry. But I mean, if if you need to do this to access your your tax information and stuff, I mean, you know, why not use it for voting at this point?
0: I I agree with you on the uh, on the the first point you made, especially which is that I think when it comes to government technology. We should open source it as much as possible, whether it's voting technology or tax filing technology or anything like this. It should be available to, to for anyone to look at, to, to find the flaws, to to, to suss out where the, the, the problems are. I mean, part of the reason they went with this new system is they used to do identity checks using credit agencies. But when mm-hmm. Equifax had its breach a couple of years ago and 148 million Americans information got out they that's when they the IRS basically fired you know pulled the contract with them but it's like uh, did we learn nothing from that yeah
2: yeah i mean the only the only difference between that and like an id me breach is like when they choose to disclose that id me has already been breached right i mean right right <laughs> yeah yeah in in november of 2021 you yeah and you get those email, you get those letters in the mail it says like you know 18 months ago your information was scooped up and we're we're terribly sorry about that. Right. But good luck. Yeah. 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 Good Pretty luck.
0: Much. Yeah. Um yeah, here's your here's your free account on our site to monitor your, your credit report or whatever. Yeah. And by the way, uh in a month we're gonna yeah. start bugging you to upgrade to the better experience. <laughs> yeah. That happened to we me. We recommend
1: logging month. in twice a day to make sure you're super safe.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or pay twenty bucks a month and we'll take care of it
1: for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a little self serve I'm kinda. just thinking there was a bet inside the IRS of someone betting someone else that they couldn't make Americans hate them more than they already do. (laughs) Yeah. That was kind of my,
2: that was kind of my like reaction. This is like players going to play. hater's going to hate, you know, it's, it's just like IRS going to IRS and it's just, well, no, don't. Yeah. I mean, we expect this from you, but. You know, be better than that.
0: Well, and that's the thing is, maybe part of the backlash is because it's the IRS and people already kind of hate them. If it were, you know, the National Park Service, people might have objected a little bit. But, you know, it's Smokey, the bear. You know, we're not going to be too upset at him. You know, it's like. It would, maybe it would have been it would have gone through and there would have been a little question, but there wouldn't have been the outrage uh, like this. I, I think part of it is uh, the IRS's own reputation precedes it, and uh, frankly, they're already overwhelmed. There's lots of talk about how they're overwhelmed this year already, and uh, behind they're behind on their getting ready for the tax season and all that sort of stuff. So this just hiring, makes it worse.
2: Yeah, hiring eighty six thousand new employees or something or whatever the latest count was that they're they're adding yeah. this year, something like that. Yeah, and like. That's larger than most corporations, you know. They're, <laughs> right, right. That there are most manufacturing corporations even, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and it is a concern where you have, you know, basically agencies that were never thought of as having, like, police powers, like the U.S. Postal Service, you know, to conduct elections, or the even the National Archives now, you know, doing raids on on private citizens to collect, you know, documents and stuff. It's It is a real concern with, you know, are we... You know, giving these so-called you know civilian agencies, you know, or you know, increasing increasing power to to police and collect data and stuff. So, right. I don't know. It's a, it is a concern for some folks.
0: I think Congress is behind on this. Uh, I don't want to get. I don't like to get too much into politics on on, on this. But uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. But I think Congress is behind the eight ball on government technology and privacy uh, regulations. They just have not kept up. They, frankly. I can't think of too many congressmen who I feel like are on the ball with this tech
1: stuff. I'm just remi- I'm just reminded of and I'm not diving into politics too much I hope with this. Um Ted Stevens big Ted the Stevens. internet being a series of tubes. It's a um, Series of tubes,
0: yes. <laughs> and just being
1: memed by just how ignorant of technology a right. large amount of Senate and the House seem to be. Um and I mean, it wasn't literally true, but it was kind of metaphorically true.
2: you know you have pipes <laughs> and they're different sizes, right, and the yeah. pipes are kind of yeah, but I mean
0: that was that I mean, was a while ago, but even like last year, I think it was when they had the uh, the 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 big tech in for the hearings, and the senator asking Tim Cook to to troubleshoot his iPhone, like uh, it was like, dude,
1: and then they asked, your Apple um, genius. <laughs> they asked Zuckerberg if he was going to shut down finstagram <laughs>
0: right right It was like no that's not what that is finsta is a is a, a word the kids are using it was a whole thing yeah so there is there's not a, there's not a lot of knowledge on Capitol hill we we need and that's on us we need to start electing people who are savvier about this sort of thing and they need to start hiring aides and listening to them who are savvier about this sort of thing um so you know, that's, it's all part of a part of the whole piece.
1: I think the law that's still governing a lot of the internet stuff is still the telecommunication active. What was that? 95.
0: The DMCA. Yeah. yeah Digital. Millennial. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some modifications, of course, since then, but the, but the, the general, the law, the, the, the overall framework is still, yeah, the DMCA. Um. So yeah, that, and and we've seen, and that's what a lot of these hearings over the past year have been about. We've seen the limitations. It's just it, it things cha- change so fast that a, that a 25-year-old law needs to be updated. It's just it doesn't cover what the way things are now. So, uh, yeah.
2: I just don't know if we're we're at a point where we can actually, like, update the law, you know, just given how fractious everything is. It's right. It's either going to go heavily one way or the other way, depending on who's yeah. in control of Congress. It, it won't really be a you know truly a, you know bipartisan law.
0: Now the uh, one of the things that that why this is such an important deal uh, this question about the 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 uh, facial recognition using biometrics uh, w- with the security of the biometric data is you know if your password gets breached you you change it you get a new password but if your if your uh, biometric data like your fingerprint or your facial ID gets breached. You can't get a new face, well, not easily. I mean, not easily, no. <laughs> uh or, you know, new fingertips. That that's, that's all in James Bond territory, I suppose. But, you know, it's uh that this it is a great concern when that sort of data gets breached and spoofed and taken over and gets out there uh for people to use. And so we we
1: need to be concerned about this. We've already seen at the highest level of American government biometric data um, get put into the wrong hands right, right? we right. we saw yeah. that in afghanistan the the biometric data they had yeah that's true um, yes. on
0: all the people who cooperated with you helped Americans yes, American military
1: the in the wrong hands, so yep, um, I think people had very good reason to be a little suspicious and a little weary of um any of that. Yes. I <laughs> yeah, agree. I d- the government's
2: very good at collecting data because uh, if they pass a law or something that says we need to collect this data, they get it. But they're maybe not the best at securing the data from bad actors.
0: Securing and storing and – Yeah. yeah. Uh, just think of that giant warehouse at the end of Raiders, Raiders of the Last Ark. That's that's a government warehouse. Yeah. So, just so you know. <laughs> so – all right. I, so – but the the bottom line is, is uh, for the moment – It's been shelved, and the IRS is going back to the drawing board to come up with something new. Lord knows what that'll be, but we'll just have to (laughs) wait and see. So, all right, uh, let's move on from there. Uh, Before we get to the rest of our headlines, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Sean D., Ronald R., Luke P., Shannon L., and Father Eric T., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, Make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So before we get to our first headline, I'm going off the agenda for just a sec to kind of mentioned something I heard about today is that it uh, looks like we're getting in, back into the big hardware announcement, software announcement season. Uh, I heard that Apple is probably going to have an event at the beginning of March. I'm very looking forward to this because as longtime listeners know, I very much desire a, a silicon iMac in the 27-inch range <laughs> to replace my long-lost one. I've got a Mac Mini now, and it's okay. But it's got its issues. Frankly, I've, I've had it's had some weird problems like rebooting and crashing, crash from wake issues and stuff like that. Uh, but I really would love to get a. Uh, I love the iMac form factor. So, but also they're talking about um, uh, an uh, iPhone SE 5G and some other things like that. So, uh, and then other like other. Hardware sounds like it's coming along too from other manufacturers as well. So we're getting back into that season and we should be talking about some of that uh, stuff soon.
1: I have mine that I'm really excited about. What's your, the um, valve and the steam deck is on schedule.
0: Right, right. I saw you, uh, I think you're tweeting about that earlier today. Um, That looks, it looks very interesting. It's one of those, it's the, it's the impossible to obtain unobtainium, uh, device of the of the moment, uh, where it's yeah. just like it, I think I heard people are actually selling copies on eBay and they don't even have they haven't even gotten an order in yet. They're selling. copies. Yeah, that's what
1: that's what I was sending a tweet at when Whoa. I'm like, eBay's doing nothing about this. Wow, and that's amazing. Um, yeah. As long as they get their eighteen
2: um, percent or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. right?
1: But um, Linus Sebastian on Linus Tech Tips was did a they um released the embargo on the review copy that he had. Oh wow. And he he was showing the test speeds of the solid state drive versus just a micro S D and the speeds were within seconds of each other. Oh wow. That's which amazing. is just impressive. That's great.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's another you know handheld gaming device out there that uh, it, it rivals the consoles. Really, it's that's we we I think we talked about it re- uh, a while ago on this show, um, just in its concept form. I can't wait to see what it's like out there. I I, I doubt I'll get one or <laughs> even give a chance yeah. to order one. I I still don't have a game console. And uh, I, I li- by the way, when I mentioned that last time, uh, a very nice listener offered to send me uh, his family's old Nintendo Wii that his kids don't use anymore and I really do appreciate it. I want to say that like here on the yeah. show I really appreciate it but it would it would it would be wasted at this point for, for us uh, We where our, our my our, my kids do iPad game time uh, screen time and that's yeah. pretty much where we want to keep mm-hmm. them for now but uh, I do appreciate that
2: yeah, I think I think I'll stick with my Nintendo Switch. And when I say my Nintendo Switch, it's the one that, you know, the two younger kids use. <laughs> everybody else in the house has their own Nintendo Switch at this point. But right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, every, everybody loves the Switch. And yeah, compared to the latest Steam Deck or any other game console, you know, it may not be the highest power thing, but you could still play, you know, the game, the current games on it. No Man's Sky was just uh, announced right. for it and um a bunch of other uh you know current games but uh it's a nintendo console you 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 know you have the nintendo franchises there they they put a lot into you know keeping those fresh and um it's just a really accessible fun time
1: yeah it has an oled display that rivals anything though it's yeah
2: yeah i'm looking looking into upgrading to that one maybe i'll get my own switch again soon <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And the 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 downside is just like with the chip shortages, you just can't get these things. I mean, I would love yeah uh, the when I was talking about consoles, I, was, I just I would love to get to, to go back to the days of Flight Sims and the Star mm-hmm. Wars Squadrons is the one that I kind of am, am you know uh, uh, jealous of not being able to play. Although, t- in all fairness, if I had it, I don't know when I would have the time to, but Absolutely, I just would yeah. love to. But if I if I wanted a Sony. PS5, I couldn't get one because it's just not available. So uh, that's that's the that's the downside for a lot of people. So it's good for me because it means I don't have to worry about not about missing out because I wouldn't have it anyway. Anyway, so moving on to the rest of our headlines, uh, the first headline comes from uh, the IEEE, which is a, the International Electrical Engineering something-something. I forget exactly what it is, but they're a very prestigious organization of, of engineers. and They have a magazine called Spectrum, and they have an article with the headline, a quadrillion mainframes on your lap. And what the the article is sort of this historical look back at the mainframes of the past, the 1960s and uh mostly the 1960s ones, the the the, the computers that sent Apollo to the moon, shall we say. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we we often get these comparisons about how much more powerful our computers are than those computers of the, of the early you know computer age. And what the author of this article, a, a Rodney Brooks says is if anything, those comparisons grossly underestimate the difference in power. And uh, he mentions, like, I remember a little of this from when I was in college in the eighties. When even, you know, even then, the computers were much faster in the sixties, but nowhere near what we have today. When you worked on a mainframe, you had to get allotted time, yep. uh, compute time. You you know, you got an Most hour time, here sure. to run your your program or whatever. I mean, it just was so much it was so much slower to do do things that there was a limited amount of time and we would he, the bottom line a week of computing time on a modern laptop so if you you took a whole week to run a, uh, some sort of model or simulation on a modern just a laptop if you if you went back and ran it on an old IBM 7090 it would take longer than the age of the universe by comparison i mean that is yeah, hard to comprehend.
2: A really good book if you want to get a feel for like what it was like working on these old or these early timeshare systems before, you know, multitasking was invented is uh, Hackers by uh, Stephen Levy. And oh, it's yeah. not hackers in the new senses of people, you know, who who have, you know, bad intents. It's hackers was really people who cobbled together hardware in order to, uh, you know, and it starts in the early days of the tech model railroad at, at MIT and stuff. So I can really recommend that book if you want to know like what these these early pioneers had to do just to get like a few minutes of computer time you know compiling everything on punch cards, running them through the system there's an error, but their time's up. come back tomorrow to to recompile your program and run it through again yep yeah it was it was definitely a different time and uh, uh the book Hackers uh, again by Stephen Levy really gives you a really good sense for for what that
1: was like. I read a book a while back. it was um the man who invented the computer. Um, The biography of John Atanasoff um, by Jane Smiley. And it kind of goes through a lot of that similar stuff of just those early days of computing um, and just fascinating stuff. Um, My own dad was at Mutual of Omaha back in the days of the mainframes and punch card operating (laughs) and all of that. And he tells us stories about how um and this is computer history, it's kind of fun now. Um how we get the term debugger, right? Yeah. Is it was actually the people who would go up into the mainframes in these huge computers and clean literal bugs <laughs> right. off the tubes. Um, because that's what was happy stopping the computer from functioning correctly. Yeah. And so the um a debugger sitting through and being the guy who goes through lines and lines of code is not what the original debugger was. It was a janitor. Right. Um, and so yeah. the, the, just the history of that yeah. is amazing. Um, you,
2: you mentioned vacuum tube uh, tubes. I imagine in Brooklyn somewhere there's, there's some hipster who's like, no, I only run my, my Instagram account off of an old vacuum tube powered analog <laughs> computer <or something." laughs>
1: because of that warmth, you know, <laughs> There is a group of people, it's a subreddit group, that only communicates on subreddit and Twitter using their Tandies.
0: (laughs) That's a dedication. (laughs) Yeah, bless their hearts. (laughs) They have to
1: use, the joke is, though, that they have to use a Raspberry Pi to be doing that, so (laughs) they're really not using their Tandy.
0: Right. You know, back in our uh, episode one hundred, we had a special episode there to celebrate our, our you know, hundredth episode, and we had every, everybody at the time on. And uh, Pat Scott told was talking about our, our very own Pat Scott. It was talking about her early days. She she goes back to these days with the early computers. I mean she she was wow. one of the first computer programmers for the state of Texas uh, in their state government. She was in the secretarial pool, and then they asked for volunteers who wanted to go learn how to do computer stuff. And mm-hmm. she ended up going volunteering and she first she started as a punch card operator that 's why they wanted secretaries right to 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 create all the punch cards and then she eventually learned all the programming and that 's what she did but uh it's it there's some fun stories from those days i mean i remember, my dad used to work for Raytheon, which is a tech company, and used to bring home uh all these vacuum tubes like they were just old vacuum tubes that yeah. were being thrown out and stuff and it's just fascinating to see and the fact that you know, they were doing it with with this technology. I mean, they weren't they weren't necessarily you know modeling. <laughs> yeah, Victor holds up a vacuum tube. Uh, they they were they weren't necessarily modeling you know uh, nuclear explosions with these things. But they like like they said they, they this was the Apollo era. And in fact, they they some of the Apollo computations orbital mechanics were computed by human computers by people doing. There was the that movie. Um, yeah. What was the movie name? Um Apollo 13 or? No, no, it was about the the Hidden, uh, hidden Figures. Hidden Figures, the African-American women mm-hmm. who were the yeah. the the unknowns. Um Yeah, and, computer was a job.
2: It wasn't a thing. It was a job. It was a job title. Yeah. It was a
0: person. <laughs> um, who computed. Something and also like Jack Black's mom was a what like the actor Jack Black his mom was a, a a NASA computer who um wow. She had to what was it? On the day he she went into labor with him, she was finishing the calculations for one of the uh, moonshots or something. It was, it's like a viral thing. Oh wow! It? Yeah, it's kind of funny. That's anyway, cool. and
2: Jack Black was in an Atari twenty six hundred video for Pitfall when he was a kid.
0: There's no, <laughs> no real connection way. there, but that's an er-
2: another early computer.
0: So yeah. you know, I have to I have to go sometime. It's been decades since I went, but the Boston Computer Museum is a lot of fun. Uh, I really ought to check that out again. Take the kids and see some really Dump. old
1: tech. <laughs> N- another um, another fun book that's on um, early coders um, mm-hmm. is titled Code Girls, The Untold Story of the American Women Code Breakers of World War II. Oh, that's a good um, one. And yeah. it's by Lisa Mundy. Uh-huh. And really good, just goes through, like, And it delves into, like, it does it in a really good story format, too. Yeah. So it's not just going through the boring details of it, but it's going through the stories of these ladies' lives, of being pulled away from teaching jobs and family life and all of that, um, and being really the revolutionaries that understood what Japan and Nazi Germany and all that were doing by breaking their codes. Wow. Um, And – they explain in detail the mechanical systems right. of the computers that were breaking the codes, and it's fascinating.
2: Yeah, there's we'll a lot to of check good that history. one out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we're finding here is that you know we're we're telling these stories, and yes, computers may be a quadrillion times faster, better, smarter, stronger than than they were, you know, back in the days of the mainframe, but. Something I think has also been been lost too, we have all this power at our fingertips and and you know what are we what are we doing with it uh sort of mm-hmm. thing you know yeah, um you tend to you tend to value things more if it's scarce, like if computer time is very scarce you're gonna you're gonna treasure that a lot more and now when you have the power of like fifty mainframes in your hand with your cell phone, I mean what do you do with it? you just you know, scroll social media and make <laughs> snarky comments.
0: Doom scroll Twitter and uh, play Candy yeah, Crush. Yeah. It, <laughs> was yeah, a
1: exactly. quadri- it was a quadrillion mainframes yes. that are in your lap. Yes. Oh, right. okay. Yes.
0: Well, and that's the yeah. thing they mentioned in the article is that the laptop is not even necessarily as smart as powerful as the latest smartphones even with the GPUs yeah. and the, all the stuff you like you got that. 5
1: GPUs running in your smartphone. Right, right. It's even more. But it's
0: really the human story. That's really what's yeah. what's the the with the key in all of these is the the people. And the people aren't any smarter today than they were then. The, the it's just that they have better tools, but the people are the real interesting story and uh yeah, I I I recommend going to check out some of those some of that history because there's some fascinating yeah. people.
1: Yeah. Right, and your your people who've built these today are standing on the shoulders of right the giants that came before them. What they did for what we're doing with microprocessors now moving down to tiny nanometers wouldn't have ever been possible right. without those people who laid and paved the roads with huge computers that were just computing simple what is now a simple math problem right. right right so
0: our next headline is uh this is a fun one i thought you guys might enjoy uh the pine phone pro is is coming out soon speaking of new hardware uh, hold this, on one second here
1: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he there's the up.
0: linux penguin he holds up his linux yeah. penguin this is the fastest Tux, right mainline linux smartphone on the market called the pine phone from pine 64 uh the pinephone pro it has 128 gigabytes of flash storage a hexacore processor 4 gigs of uh, ram um a 13 megapixel camera <laughs> um it so yeah it's going to sure the the chip is basically equivalent to a snapdragon from 2016 okay that's mm-hmm. fine um it's not the most advanced you know tech out there but it has a removable battery. I bet your phone doesn't have that. Uh, it and also, hardware kill switches. It, and it has dip switches for turning off things like the modem and the microphone and the camera. That's big. That it, That's big. It's got pogo pins for attaching optional uh, accessories like a wireless charger or a fingerprint reader, a capacitive fingerprint reader, or even a keyboard case. The downside being that you can only attach one of those at a time. So you get pick and choose yeah. whether you want a fingerprint reader or a uh, wireless charging but you know it, it, this is not the phone for regular folks this is the phone for a dedicated nerd who wants to really have a linux
1: phone how cool is that i'm not even willing to dive into this one so that's <laughs> how that's how off this one is is if you're gonna jump into this one you're not gonna have your banking apps Nope. You're not gonna have your um being able to access your taxes on the IRS app, right? <laughs> right I guess right. we got rid of that. Um Right, your your regular daily drivers and to um Pine sixty four, the organization's credit, they are right up front saying that. If you're someone who needs specialty apps for your daily drivers, do not order this phone. Right. Yeah, they're up front with that.
2: I have to say, though, it looks a lot better than I was expecting. And it's like a second like project phone just to like, you know, knock around and treat like a Mm -hmm. little mini tablet or something. I think it would be it would be kind of cool for that. I I was uh I remember back when I was uh you know really getting into Raspberry Pis and stuff you know there there were a number of Raspberry Pi phone projects where people had either 3D printed or 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 just you know project enclosure cases uh-huh. and they they looked like a brick that you know you could you know throw through a window or something and this looks better than that definitely. so I I definitely think you know you know the original Pi phones going for 199 you know if you if you wanted a a fun project to work on that's you know 399 for the new one is a little pricey but um, you know, it might be fun. Uh, if you're concerned about privacy, I mean, there are people who sell what they call like de Googled phones. Um, uh, you could look at a, there's a YouTube channel, Rob Braxman, <laughs> BRX, uh, B-R-A-X-M-A-N who talks about, you know, privacy on phones and stuff. And if you want to go that route, it, but, uh, you know, this, this I think would be kind of a fun, you know, second phone to
1: use for projects and stuff right. like that.
0: This is a second yeah. phone.
1: They do have a lower model, right? The, so this is a Pine phone, Fo- phone pro. There is still the original Pine phone, and they are still selling that one. Right. Um. And so, if that, what is it, three hundred? This one is
0: Yeah, this one has an introductory. The the Pro has an introductory price of three ninety nine with a regular price of six hundred bucks. So four hundred bucks yeah, to six hundred bucks.
1: And yeah. I think the original is one ninety nine. Yeah. So if if you, um, that one might be a little more fit to be a toy. Than, that's almost
0: um, yeah. That's one fifty, and it's so. That's that's in almost you know tech impulse purchase z- zone for some people, uh, mm-hmm. which yeah I mean if you, yeah it could be a fun you know thing to 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 enjoy. So if you're a Linux guy, that would be the thing.
2: Yeah. Plus plus any product that has like goes full dad joke with a punny like name like the Pine Phone, you know <laughs> the sort of Pine Cone. It's yeah you know that that gets my vote already. So.
1: A a fair warning about um, their products, though, is um, just in chip shortage stuff. Yeah. Um, I think they're in full production on these, but I've been waiting. I'm just – I have a um, soldering iron coming from the Pine Foundation there, and um, it's been sitting in the harbor for weeks right now. Right. Like like a lot of the tech – yeah. So it's tech that's coming from China. It's built in China, assembled in China, comes across the ocean, and it's sitting in the harbors. So if you're expecting an impulse buy on the next couple weeks to get it, not happening.
0: Right, right, right. Exactly. So uh, our uh, next headline is interesting. We mentioned actually Afghanistan earlier, and this one is also about Afghanistan in it's about so after America pulled out of Afghanistan and the Taliban took over international sanctions dropped in on this on the country and that's created a humanitarian crisis where a lot of people uh, can't get money to to get food and medical care um, in in fact uh, they end up in, in in many cases because the banks are internationally isolated they are not there's no money available so a lot of these NGOs and charities are trying to help the people that they're connected with there to get the money, but you can't give them cash. The old way was, you know, either give them food, literal food, if you could get to them or give them cash and let them get their own food. Well, they were having problems with that. So what happened with some of these uh, technology focused NGOs, uh, including one that was teaching computer programming to young Afghan women, is that they've been sending them uh, cryptocurrency. Various kinds hmm. of, of stable coins. So a stable coin is tied to to a regular fiat currency like the U.S. dollar, so that it doesn't fluctuate like, say, Bitcoin and Ethereum do on a regular basis. Um, these are much more stable. And so, what they do is they so eighty eight percent of Afghans actually have a smartphone, so that you know people live in the city. They 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 don't all if you if you watch too many movies and TV shows, you think all oh, Afghans live in you know. Mud huts in the country. That's not that's not true. Um, you have a lot of, of people who are urban and have access to things, and um, this is their computer, is their smartphone. So eighty eight percent of Afghans have uh, access to a smartphone, and so they have access to cryptocurrency, and so they they send them crypto, they take that to a local exchange and exchange it for local currency, which is the Afghani, which that's their currency, and that way they can buy food and you know get medical care and that sort of thing. Well the great thing about it is that means that their assets are no are liquid, which means they're portable if they can leave the country they they could take it with them uh they it's not cash laying around where they can it can be stolen from them by uh you know by bandits or whatnot or the <laughs> taliban um so it's a very interesting story about how this tech is being used to help people in a real world situations um I think it's fascinating. I like this. I like this, this. yeah. It's clever. I de-
2: it's a good use for crypto. It's not just a yeah. multi level marketing scheme. You're
0: yeah. like not it, selling it NFTs. Just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, I'm wondering if these certain um currencies are going to waive the fees for uh um, oh, yeah. these That's particular a- I mean that would be a good outreach of them. Um a very human thing to do right to not be making these fee money off of suffering people who just need the money
0: that's a good point there are there are um they, they're called different things but there are fees usually for converting uh, crypto from one thing to another from uh, crypto to fiat or from one crypto to another that sort of thing so there's usually a fee involved to be to compensate the the, the blockchain computer network it's complicated <laughs> i don't want to get too much yeah. into the weeds on it but there's a usually a fee of some some amount involved uh, but it would be nice if they could waive that in particular cases i'm not sure how you'd identify people for that but uh but it would be nice to be able to waive those fees somehow. yeah i guess yeah. if the
1: if the whole point of the crypto is that it's being anonymous. Right, um, it makes yeah. it a little more difficult to waive the fees for that. that I didn't and think I, of that. That's right. And I guess if your choice is paying five to ten percent to like you
2: know Captain Crypto versus fifty to eighty percent to the Taliban, I'm going to probably choose. <laughs> <Right>. You know,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. and the privacy aspect too. By the way, is is another a benefit of this? Is it's that because crypto is private, they can't track the who's getting this money from overseas. That's not. It's just it's a uh, it's, it's, it's it's there's no way for the Taliban to find out that these people are getting this money from from them uh, so I, I applaud this I'd like to see this used in other places too uh, there are lots of places in the world where you'd be surprised at how many like the percentages of the population have smartphones yeah but don't because that's their only computer that they have access to it's the inexpensive computer that they can get and and so we talked a while ago about um, an experiment in Costa Rica in these towns where they were switching to, you know, all the entire towns were switching to crypto. They were switching to Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, and people were trading it because they, had, they could do it because they get paid in Bitcoin, they could buy things in Bitcoin because they had uh, the phones to do it. And so I'd like to yeah. see more of that, the uh, charity.
2: And I mean, I guess if you look at any like aid program, like USAID or anything, the money always goes to the the group that can actually like, you know, just buy food, distribute food. And in many cases, that's the government or whatever that's partly at least responsible for creating the problem. And this kind of like sidesteps that. So this is mm-hmm. really cool. Like I can see maybe, you know, Catholic charities, they always, uh, you know, promote like, you know, 90, 95% of your contribution goes right to people in need. We don't have to pay off, you know, uh, all these people. and. So maybe this is a model going forward for something like that. Eventually, you know, uh, you know, some right. Catholic charities could look into at some point. As long as they're not
1: using GPUs to do it, I'm fine with
0: it. <laughs> right. Up yeah.
1: stop using <laughs> GPUs.
0: Yeah, they don't need to mine the crypto. Just you know, it, yeah. just trade the crypto, trade and, the GPUs. Yes. So uh, that's actually a really good point, <laughs> by the way. About the the the, uh, the uh, corruption, which is that a lot of the, the charity has to deal with corruption. There's a certain amount of the char- of the charitable funds that get siphoned off, whether you know usually involuntarily, charities don't want that to go to the to the corrupt guys, but they don't have a choice. It's gotta go to them. But if they if they can get it the funds directly to the people, now there has to be food to buy, that sort of thing and fuel to yeah. buy and that's what sort of, that has to be has to be available to purchase. But if that's the situation, that would be that would be a, a better way to do things, I think. So
1: I think one other aspect that I don't think we think about as much as Americans is the availability of banking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, the Afghan might ha- be able to carry around the cash, but how safe is it to be carrying around the cash? Um, right. In a hostile area. Right. And so the fact that there's somewhere safe to keep that money Um, that's obvious in Afghanistan, but then if we get into just regular third world, um, and even first world things of availability of banking and being able to bank, um, when you're a poorer person, um, and when you don't have that reputability to prove to a bank, um, that's another benefit of this. And I'm not one that sees too much of benefits of crypto, but right. yeah I think this is a really good use case for it
0: and also there's uh you know we have to remember that there has been an informal banking network called the hawali network a hawala network um because uh Islam forbids uh getting uh making money off of interest yep. usury oh yeah uh, the, an informal network of banking of, of a sort has grown up and it's an international uh, system by which people put you know put money with a hawala. Uh, in one place and they they market it's almost like a physical blockchain uh where like a ledger <laughs> they write your name in the ledger you put so much in and then someone can go to a different place and take it out you know on your account like it's it's an account and but those systems are rife with corruption with inefficiencies with it's used by terrorists all you know that there's all kinds of problems with that uh it you, especially people getting taken advantage of whereas this you know again because it's the blockchain because it's uh open and you know uh it you know the whole internet is doing this it's it's better it's not perfect oh you know that's i think yeah. we have been clear on that there's, there are there are issues or potential pitfalls in all of this you know one thing people the people who are receiving it have to be somewhat sophisticated to understand what crypto is and how to use it. They have to be able to read and write, you know,
2: Uh, is is there anybody like on the face of this planet who understands like (laughs) how this all works? Satoshi does. Satoshi
1: does. (laughs) does. I had to explain to me like eight times. I gave an explanation to someone the other day using um, church baptismal registries as the example <laughs> for blockchain. And actually, it's probably the, one of the best ways I've explained it yet. So in this proves the Catholic Church was the originators of the blockchain. But so um, you're baptized. I record your baptism in the baptismal registry of the church, right? Right. Um, you re- you're confirmed at a different parish in a different state, um, that parish has to send a notification to the church that you're baptized so that it can be notated next to the original record of your baptism when you're married, the same thing, back to the original church. So this original record you have is always having a signature added to it every time it's changed, right? So if oh, okay. I need to know something about you and your state in the Catholic Church, whether you're married and all of that, I can go back to the original record and see it. And that's very similar to how blockchain works.
0: There's an organization called CatholicBlockchain.org that is trying to bring the blockchain tech to the church and get the church to use this more for various things, especially sacramental records would be great, uh, (laughs) real estate records. Uh, It's kind of interesting. I'm I mean, we all, you know, all of us have been involved with the church in one way or another, and we know how backwards the church yes. can be. With, with Rome the just got a telephone,
1: yes, Rome just got yeah. a telephone. So yeah. I know
0: lots of parishes still have fax machines, and that's how the, their primary communication from the diocese. So I, I get that, but I, I think it's, I think it's a, a clever idea to kind of start thinking about this sort of stuff anyway. Of you know how because the church is a giant distributed organization, which is not contrary to popular belief, is not centrally controlled. I mean, the Pope is the Pope, but each diocese is is relatively independently run. You know, it, uh, there is information that that should and could be distributed. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like that yeah. idea.
1: Anyway. You know, it's amazing to me still, though, for how ancient our system is, how easily I'm able to still get... Mm-hmm. Records and figure out who's been baptized and all of that, just with um, the network of churches working together, um, sure right. I had an individual who was um, was entering into the church mm-hmm. at like ninety, yep, and we were able to figure out his baptism and everything even when he couldn't remember, based oh, oh, on wow. tiny bits of information. so
0: wow, that's awesome. All right, uh, so we should probably move on to our picks of the week. And, Father Joseph, you're up first. What is your pick this week?
1: My pick of the week is an um, iOS app, so for your iPhone, um, and it's called DNS Cloak. Um, and so um, DNS, to short, give a short explanation, is the um, phone book for the Internet, right? Yeah. So I type in Google.com. Um, DNS throws the record back that Google.com's IP address, right, which is kind of like their phone number is whatever, 68.12, right, so on and so forth, whatever it is. Um, and so there's services that put that back to you. Um, usually your ISP's DNS service, your your Internet provider's DNS service is very slow, Um and your cell phone companies usually is too. Um, and also, it's not the most privacy prone. Um, but the iPhone doesn't let you change that by default. Um, you're no. kind of stuck. with uh, On cellular, you're stuck on right. what the DNS is of your cell phone provider. On Wi-Fi, you can change it. Right. So this allows me to change it on cellular. It, um, it kind of creates a fake VPN network. On your phone to allow you to do it. I mm-hmm. don't want to go too far into the weeds with the pick, but yeah. Um, but one of the benefits I see of this is if you're a parent, it actually does have a password lock on it, and so you can go and you can choose like Cloudflare with the family controls, mm. or clean browsing, or different companies that have filtered. Um, and forced safe search and forced um clean YouTube all set as defaults and lock their phone into that um with mm-hmm. a password and parental controls of course set to not be allowed to delete apps and stuff. Um and the app leads you how um through how to do that on the app itself. So that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> this is similar to a pick I had back in episode sixty-five, called Next DNS at uh, NextDNS.io. Mm. It does the same thing. It sets up a, a proxy VPN to set up a, a DNS, uh, an alternate DNS server. Although it doesn't let you pick from variety, like you can't choose Cloudflare or Google or or you know that sort of thing. You're using theirs, but it also provides parental controls privacy stuff it'll block ad networks it'll uh it has a deny list and an allow list and gives you some mm-hmm. analytics and stuff like that so and the nice thing with NextDNS is i can set it up for all of my com- computing devices including my macs my pcs everything and it does android too uh so oh, wow so you can so you can set up your preferences in one place and cover everything so uh so that's another one too, but uh, yeah, it, it's it sounds it might sound complicated, but it's not, and uh, it's worthwhile. And both of them are free. I assume I assume yeah. DNS Cloak is free.
1: Um, it's free, and it does everything for you. Um, yeah. I think there's a pro version that um, removes the ad from the bottom of the um, from the settings app. app. Yeah, but Which, the, but there's no ads forced on you outside of when you go and do the initial setups and in the right. settings. So and
0: since you don't probably never going to go into the settings app you probably don't doesn't matter that's good that's good yeah excellent good pick very good uh victor what's your pick this week yeah so my
2: pick is an app that you can download to your 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 computer phones there and uh it's an alternative to twitter called getter um it's spelled g-e-t-t-r as in you know getter done um <laughs> and it, it, it launched in july of last year um As kind of an alternative to Twitter, uh, you know, people had noticed that, you know, certain uh, you know, posts and stuff were being, you know, marked as misinformation or deleted and people were getting banned until they deleted posts and stuff. And so um, you know, as a Twitter user, I found that personally very frustrating. Um so I joined Getter personally in uh you know when it launched in in July of last year. And um it's kind of like, you know, in Star Trek, they have a mirror universe. It's kind of a mirror universe version of Twitter, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But it's, yeah. you know, over the past uh, eight months, 10 months, uh, it's really gained a lot of steam as Twitter has become a little bit more restrictive. Um, people who are looking for a different kind of experience um, are, are exploring it. It's also it, what it's interesting thing about it is its user base is, I think, like 40 percent not based in the U.S. So there's. You know, a lot of people from Australia, Canada, Europe, um, all sorts of uh, China has a big presence. You know, people from China and Hong Kong and stuff have a big presence there because they can kind of, you know, share information that way. So it's I've used other things like, you know, Gab or Telegram, and they seem kind of, you know, not really sketchy, but it's a little too (laughs) a little too, uh, you know, fringy uh, off the grid, fringy (laughs) for me. Yeah. And Getter has has really managed to strike that balance of, you know. Um, you know, people, you know, sharing stuff um, and you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, things popping up at your post saying, you know, this might be misinformation. It'll only make sure you're going to an approved source.
0: Uh, we need to get I'm, I'm on uh, Getter. I'm at Betnet like I am everywhere. Oh, else. really? Yeah. B-E-T-T-N-E-T. Um, I need we need more regular folk over there. I, regular uh, folks. Yes. Yeah, be. Because <laughs> right now is a lot of political stuff. And I just yeah. I, can, I can only take so much political you know, content. The, the,
2: the memes are not good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I would like to to see more of just regular folk talking about regular things. Like yeah, is what I sc- liked Twitter for back in the day. You know. Um, so. I'm
1: scrolling through and I'm looking at it, and it's just like the explore trending thing is. Everything's political, and I'm yeah. sitting there going, "I'm not too sure about <laughs> that. I, well, I a, might not. Yeah. Yeah. I might not need another political thing in my life." Right, right.
0: Well, that's I think it was what Victor was saying What like if we, or what I was saying is uh, if we could get more regular folk in in these places because you know, you know, Twitter is not the end all be all, and frankly, it it bugs me sometimes. But I also don't want to be doom scrolling through political posts yeah. all, all day. <laughs>
1: Now, Victor, when you're scrolling through it and you're going through your timeline, is it heavily algorithmed or is it just kind of as the flow of the things come through? I, I honestly can't tell, but if it's an if,
2: if it's algorithmed, I can't imagine what the algorithm is doing. I mean, it has to yeah. be, you know, kind of just, you know, whatever is is popping up in the timeline and stuff. I mean, it it has some cool features. Uh, there's live streams on it now. They're adding short form video, uh, you know, later this, uh, I think, this spring. But yeah, so definitely it had kind of an influx when I think Joe Rogan had mentioned it. He hasn't really done much on the platform since then, you know, uh, you know had, you know, several million people joined uh, over a weekend or so. But um, or, you know, up to a million. But. So yeah, I think I think I would like to as you mentioned down see more of, you know, just normal entertainment type posts and stuff. It is it is a little political, but um it is kind of the wild west too, but not as not as fringy as some of those uh, other sites I mentioned.
0: Right. Right. Very good. Yeah. Awesome. Good pick. So, my pick this week is a little fun thing. So, for for ages ever since uh, smartphones were around, you've been seeing these pop sockets, right? They're this little button that pops out that attaches to the back of your phone that pops out it provides an extra bit of security for holding your phone especially when you've got a big phone and small hands like me uh it gives you that extra bit of i'm holding my phone and i i'm not gonna it's not gonna slip out of my hand because it's slick as you know ice in my hand uh and now i've got an iphone 13 it's got the magsafe magnets on the back and so popsockets has come out with a new pop grip for magsafe so, it used to be you had to like a you had to either get a a mag a pop socket case, so it was a whole case that went on your phone, or you had to like use adhesive to stick it to the back of your phone. Which, I, just, yeah, I don't want to do that because mm. uh, I don't always want it on the pop socket on the back of my phone because sometimes I want to put it, you know, in a stand or something like that. And so, because it's MagSafe, then you have a new pop grip for MagSafe K, uh, uh, uh pop grip. Pop socket, sorry, all these pop things uh, that you can get. Um, the pop grip for MagSafe is thirty bucks, so not cheap, but it's a nice little deal. And it's, uh, I got, the, I like it in black. I like it simple like that. And so it, they have different designs, but the cool thing is, is you can pop, up, you can pop out the top of the pop thing. <laughs> I don't know
2: what the terminology is. And <laughs> that's turning into a Pringles commercial. Here. I know. I don't know what. Once you, I, pop, I, you can't stop.
0: I, I Once you pop, the fun don't stop. <laughs> I should have. Yeah. Um, I should have gotten my my terminology clarified before this. Go to the link. You'll see what I'm talking about. The, the, you can replace it with new custom uh, covers, and they have stuff for various properties. Because of course, you know Disney and others need to get their their piece of the pie and so you can get marvel ones you get star wars ones and so i got the grogu child with drinking from the cup one oh, it's upside down. i'm showing i'm holding up to the camera for the guys to see um just it's his the bone broth yeah he's drinking his bone broth out of his little cup and it's the cutest thing ever and it just gives me delight every day when i see it like the kids see it and they just go oh you know it just makes them happy so uh it's it's functional and it's fun and it's nice and I like it. But and if you don't have a you know an iPhone with MagSafe, they have the other ones, the traditional ones as well too. So you can get you can get those and you can get the Grogu for that as well. So um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's fun. All right, so I think that should do it for us this time. Uh, let me get back to my uh, notes here. I was looking something up and I lost my my ending notes. But uh, I, okay, so as usual, (laughs) we'd love to hear from you, just like we heard from Tom at the top of this episode. We want to hear from you. Any thoughts you had on our discussion at all, on anything we've talked about, you can comment on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at sqpn.com. We would greatly appreciate it. We haven't had one in a while, but if you could write a review in Apple Podcasts or any one of the podcast directories, and Spotify now lets you do ratings of podcasts, by the way, you can share the podcast with your friends. And all that helps us grow our community of listeners, reach more folks. And that's what we're here to do. So until next time, Father Joseph Sun, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. You're welcome. And Victor Lambs, thank you as well. Thanks, Don. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.